0: Heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network.
1: It's my time, it's my life, I hope you will come along.
2: This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin.
1: Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today. It is Tuesday morning, the 18th of October. A very good morning to everybody listening to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. We're going to talk about the health crisis again, the maternity section. Unbelievable. BeepX Conference set to make its return That gets underway tomorrow. I will be at that. I'm uh, emceeing the dinner. It actually starts today. The conference people will get get there. There's a lot of guest speakers. Um, The reception is tonight and then tomorrow, two days, which will be huge as well. So much to get through as well. Uh, Looking forward to talking with Ben Hall very shortly. We'll talk about the health crisis. Shontay Moran will join us very shortly. And Ray White Rural um, Ganey Kirkwood Principal, Liam Kirkwood, about Charters Towers not far away. Huge show for you, rural Queensland today. Let's get into it. Ben Hall, the winner of the Condomine Bell Camp Draft, he joins us next. Welcome back to rural Queensland today. Well, the Chinchilla grandfather clock gets underway this morning um, or at lunchtime today. Ben Hall was the Condomine Camp Draft uh, winner. He's at Chinchilla now and he joins us this morning. How are you, mate? Firstly, congratulations. Uh, another good win. I mean... I I don't know this figure, but I, I, you, you would know. How many bells have you won? Open bells have you won?
2: Yeah, good. Uh, good day, Bobo. Um, yeah, mate, it's, um, I think that's a uh, ninth one
1: um, this year. So,
2: yeah, otherwise it's um, yeah. One of has been probably good to us.
1: So. Oh, mate, it's a, it's a great draft and there's a lot of fantastic drafts. I mean, you, you go into every single draft and you want to compete, but when you're riding a mare that you bred, a homebred mare, that you're wiping yourself with bread and, and – you know the history. I think it must be, you know, far more special than, you know, if you're riding someone else's horse.
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's um it's always good to to win on um in on, like you say, a horse that you bred and um by sort of uh, resident staying and yeah, it um she's sort of getting to where she's better go out in the um, brood paddock and yeah, it was always good to get a big win like that on her. Um, before she
1: goes out, you know. Hey, mate, you would have been doing this, and I, I remember you drafting for, for 500 bucks for prize money. You would have done it for free, but can you get over? I mean, you know, the, a lot of work and a lot of money goes into to breeding a camp horse, and, and it, it's not a cheap experience t- to be a camp drafter, but to win a $60,000 check, in your wildest dreams, I can't think that you ever would have thought it would have got to this sort of level.
2: No, like uh, I think the first one, First one I won there in 96 it was 450 bucks um, <laughs> to, to win it um, but yeah they're getting to where like a lot of them a lot of drafts, you yeah, getting more money and um, and bigger money and 60 grams, a proper good check it's getting like you say everything else is getting dear and it's costing us a lot more to, to go and drive to these shows and breed horses and beat them and all that sort of stuff. So it's good. It's all relative a
1: bit, isn't it? Like, I mean, you you know, and not everybody's going home with that check either. That's the thing. I mean, you love that sport. I I mean, it's, you know, it's your sport. Do do you worry at times, and I I look at it, I mean, there is a lot of, like, like, uh, encouragement drafts happening now, but... It, and it's such an inclusive sport, but sometimes, you know, the costs do blow out it, not the actual nominations. I get that. You get that back in the prize money if it's there, and that's what going in competition is. But what you're saying is, mate, the cost, the fuel, the horses, like it's a proper, proper deer sport now like anything else, and and, and you've got to throw money at it to, to to make sure it's right.
2: Yep. And like you say, um, yeah, it's a deer sport, but anything you do, you know, you want to go and play golf or the.
1: Mate, I know.
2: It um, cost you, <laughs> as you know, it cost you a lot just to, to um, be a member of the golf clubs. I Bloody mean, ass. So Bloody it, um Yeah,
1: you've well, you got to spend your money somewhere too, and it's
2: good to put it back yeah. in there. Yeah,
1: great family the, sport. Great family sport. Hmm. I mean, everybody's there. You're there with your family. I mean, it, it, you know, it's a community sport, and obviously, you know, it's a long, a long three weeks because you're away. But, I mean, it's the... The triple crown. I mean, that's the one, mate. And I don't like putting pressure on people, but uh, in the back of your mind, it, it's the one that, that you've never got that you'd love to try and get a hold of the triple crown.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's um, it's evaded me for a while. Well, it evaded everyone in a long time, but I've had a couple of couple of shots at it, and it's got away from us. But yeah, hopefully one day or one, hopefully this year we can get get it done. Um, yeah, should be good.
1: Mate, um, talk to us about. I mean. The, a lot of drafts come up and, I mean, there's a lot in the central. There's a lot of big money drafts. But why is it that these three drafts are the, so significant? Is it the longevity or is it the history behind it? I mean, talking yesterday about the grandfather clock and, and just how significant it is and, and talking then about Warwick and, and just is it are these three because of the, the, the time that they run together, because of the history that they have, is that why they're arguably seen as, the you know, the big jewels?
2: Yeah, definitely. It's um like you say, it's a uh, the time that they've been running. Prestige, I guess, with especially with Chinchilla and Warwick. Yep. Um, you know, they've all they've always run run together and then mine you know, stepped out and, and pretty much started the bigger money care draft. Um and uh and yeah, I think it's just that this time of the year too, like everyone sort of uh, sets set their holidays really to to come and compete at these and and um see, you know, Compete against the best riders and best horses in all over the country. You know, they come from Victoria, Territory, New South, everywhere. South Australia even got fellas from Western Australia this year. So, unbelievable. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, we'll drag them out of everywhere. Oh, mate, it, it certainly does. I mean, Warwick have had to, to, to limit nominations, which is a first ever. Um, mm. And obviously, at, at different at different areas, and and. Grandfather Clock, obviously, they've got record numbers. Connor Mine did. You talk about the big prize money. I mean, Connor Mine at the time, and and I say that, like they, they were ostracised, but the, it has ended up being, you know, they probably were one of the, the forefront in the end, I mean, you know, from prize money. And not everybody will always agree with the prize money thing. Like Some people say, oh, it's got too big. But, you I mean, if you want to be competing and you want to be at the best, you've got to have something to chase, and that's just – that's in any sport. It's a professional sport, um, and you know that's the way they really had a go. But everybody else has followed suit now. I still don't know. Can you make a can you make a living out of camp drafting?
2: Yeah, yeah. You got to be good at it. I yeah, think. Yeah. Good at it, and but you've got to. Yeah, I think as it's well. pretty much. It's still a it's still a hobby, really. Um, you know, if you do happen to win like a show like last weekend, we well, yeah, that pays for a lot. But it's not every weekend that you can pull All them off.
1: Only one winner as well. Hey, mate, Ariad are a yeah. big part of your life in the sense of um, of what they've done. And I, I talk about them, obviously, and I vow and declare, Terry, Terry Donahue and Peter Inman and, and the, the family there at Ariad are just unbelievable. And they've been huge supporters of yourself and, and Jay as well, haven't they? They've just been right there from the beginning. And obviously, um, you're a proud Ariad ambassador.
2: Yeah, definitely. They, um, they look after us really well. And- and uh, they look after a sport very well, although like uh, every weekend there's, you know, they've sponsored some, sponsored a event or, or all of the events. Um, you know, Pete, Pete and Terry, they turn up at a lot of them and, um, yeah, it's really great to have, have a, have a clothing company like that Unbelievable. Um, on board with our, with our sports. Or-
1: yeah. Hey, uh, I'll see you at Warwick. Um, there's a cocktail party there, so I'm going to go to it. You know, surprise, surprise, <laughs> there's food and drink. So I'll, I'll be heading to that, but I'll catch up with you there. Best of luck for Chinchilla, <laughs> mate. Congratulations on Conor And, mate, I think everybody listening would love to see you win the Triple Crown. I think it's the one that's alerted you. And, mate, why not do it this year? I'll see you at Warwick. Good on you. Thanks, hope. Jeez, mate. Cheers, uh, mate. Ben Hall, we'll take a break. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to rural Queensland today. Well, a result unbelievable, a healthy $16,300 average for the Walker family and the Strathmore stud. It was a top of 60,000, 141 Santa Catrudes bulls for 100% clearance at Strathmore on-property bull sale near Blackall yesterday. Now, the breakdown was simple, 116 classified bulls sold for an average of 18,000 by 25 commercial bulls. You know, averaged 11,480, topped at 18,000. Well done to Ian Walker, stud principal, and family for an outstanding line. $55,000 was achieved twice. Uh, These bulls were bought by James and Sarah Pearson from Bull Creek, McKinlay, and uh, Roper Valley Pastoral at Middlemount. What a great result that was for Strathmore and obviously uh, the Santa Catrudas. Is just absolutely going so well now. I have to talk also about the Strathfield uh, CQ Invitational Droughtmaster Sale at Gracemere yards Eighty-four bulls went up for auction. Now they averaged nine thousand three hundred and seventy-three on behalf of 11, 11 studs. So that was sold at Gracemere, and we obviously have a look and 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 keep on going, but we'll keep you updated with the Santa Cotrudis this year. Now, I want to get onto an issue, and we're going to really drill down on it in the next couple of days, about the beekeeping industry being banned from Queensland National Parks from 2045. The Nature Conservation Bill has come out, and we now see that beekeepers are being banned in Queensland National Parks from 2045 as the state government passed a new conservation legislation. Oh, my God. Beekeepers will no longer be allowed permitted to go into these areas. Now, they've said, the Labor Party, that this gives everybody. The environmental minister, Megan Scanlon, said 2045 is a sensible deadline. The bill of this will deliver our commitment to enact what we think is a sensible 20 year extension to beekeeping on national parks, recognising the comments made around the principle striking when is sensible balance between conservation and beekeeping industry. I would ask this though what damage do the bees do to the national parks? Like, in all seriousness, they've gone on with all this. They're banning bees now to find alternative sites. Queensland Bee Association president Jacob Stevens and secretary Joe Martin have been heavily involved in this process and could not believe it. They gave Mr. Stevens said the 20 year extension gave him some certainty, but they're committed to continuing work longer than that term. Like they, they, it, honey's just not going to go away. Industry position, he said, is always the fact that the beekeepers of Queensland have scoured the length and breadth of Queensland for resources of bees so it'll be challenging for the government to identify any alternative resources that might be able to replace long-losing sites in national parks. One of the industry's great fears is that more and more state forests will be converted to national parks within the next 20 years, which means they won't have any sites. More than 14.2 million hectares of Queensland is now protected into national parks. 14.2 million. 8%. So they're national parks, con- conservation parks, special wildlife reserves, and nat- nature refuges. Now there's about 1,100 bee sites in the national parks of Queensland, and they're going to ban them. I mean, seriously, seriously, what damage would they do to a national park? But what damage to bees? Yet they're looking for any reason, and this is just the, the continue continued drama. And the nature conservation bill, you know that they've had the first session. There's a lot going on, a lot going on in the nature conservation bill. So, yeah, I mean it, it's a very, very, very big read, and they have rule, they are ruling a lot. But this is where I am very, very concerned about where they are going with it and where our government is taking the industry. We've seen it with the fisheries industry. Now, can I have a look and talk, and I'm going to drill down on this a little bit more tomorrow, but maternity services are in dire straits, again, thanks to the worker shortage. Now, would you believe it? The maternity services of regional Queensland, it's been over 100 days since the Gladstone Maternity Unit was put on bypass while Billa Wheeler has been bypassed for 53 days as of last week. So now I'm going to talk with Glenn Butcher. He announced that he would step away from his role if birthing suites were not returned to the Gladstone community after the LNP opposition leader, David Christopher, presented revelations to a crowded health meeting in Gladstone last week. I'm going to repeat this. Gladstone was a major regional centre and it was registering 600 births on average per year and there is no maternity services there, 100 days. The announcement was that the caesarean section by appointment would be offered at Gladstone, which is not a maternity service, that is an operation, and there would be some staged approach to reopening, but the commitment to any timelines cannot be guaranteed. This is a major centre. Gladstone is 100 days, Bill Wheeler is 53 days since they've had any maternity services there at their hospitals. They're getting bypassed. So now what happens to the people of Rockhampton? They're overworked, they are understaffed and they are at their wit's end. This system, this health system is so flawed it's not funny. There is no coming back from this from this government. Patients from regional areas have inadequate services and they should not be discriminated against and that is what's been happening. The central Queensland region has lacked healthcare workers and now they are paying the price. It happened last week, and this will happen again, that the full maternity services aren't reinstated. So a mother from Ambrose, half an hour from Gladstone, was forced to drive to Rockhampton. She gave birth five minutes from hospital on the side of the road at the on the Bruce Highway. That is not good enough. We are in dire straits with our health service. Whether or not you're in Mount Isa, whether or not you're in Cairns, anywhere in between, Toowoomba, anywhere in between, it is unacceptable. Surely, surely something has to change. Take a break, come back with more. Rural Queensland today, Vice President of the Capricornia School of Distance Education PNC is Shantae Moran. She joins us this morning. Good morning, my friend. Um, Some good news from the Director-General in regards to the School of Distance Education.
3: Yes, good morning to you too, Ben, and to all your listeners. There certainly is some good news and and not just news, we've actually got some good action on the ground. So it's Amazing to finally reach that point, um, sort of feel like want to pinch yourself, is it actually happening? But, um, but yes, we've finally come to a point where renovations have started um, and we have a memorandum of understanding with the department around the use of the outstation and the buildings and the kids should be um, back in them by uh, term one next year.
1: So, um, I'm, and I'm just looking at this letter which is quite phenomenal um, that you've received obviously on on um, yesterday the 17th um, of October that the, the, the memorandum of understanding now will actually put this back and limit all the risk. Now the risk assessment that was required has been that each age group, gender and special needs will have a betting arrangement, the configuration will be done, and this means that families can go to this outstation building and the refurbishment will be done, the tucker box building, it'll all be completed um, and obviously and ready for the beginning of 2023 um, school year, which is just quite phenomenal, and it's been, I I reckon, what what have we been, three years at this? Have you been going at it?
3: Be, Be close to that. It would definitely be close
1: to that, yes. So, I mean... Why the change of heart? Was it just because of the, the the awareness that was raised about how ridiculous this has been, or what was the reasoning that they've finally not given in, but have used their brain for once and, and obviously become sensible on this issue?
3: Ah, uh, um, I guess I don't know. I'm never. Go- I'm not going to profess to understand the mechanisms of a of a of a government mind. To be honest with you, um, Ben, um, I'd like to hope that common sense prevails um, and that. The minister had the opportunity to realise that schools aren't just, you know, school buildings aren't just assets on a ledger, and the children that go there aren't just um, an enrolment number beside a name, and that a school is part of a community, and in many cases, it's the heart of the community. It's what draws everybody together for a common cause, and that the 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 passion of um, of the people who are involved in making this right because this was always the right thing to do um, is what helped to drive their change of heart. I guess that would be my hope. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's one of these things that, for me, that makes me realise that there there is they are prepared to listen. I mean, to receive this letter, um, obviously now – Showing that you know it is going to happen. What 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 will what what needs to be done now? What and how much money do they actually need to spend on it to get it right?
3: Well, so what actually? So the memorandum of understanding. I guess it's important to realise that it's not a legal document. But what that document does do for us is it includes the word mutual. Uh, the version that we have with the government now is actually a mutual document. It took us a little bit to get there. It was a little bit one-sided to start with, but they've been good in that regard in addressing our concerns and making uh, alterations to the document to make it a balanced document. Uh, We will now catch up with uh, our principal at the next mini-school in week seven, so around the 14th of November, to discuss a hire agreement. So the PNC will hire the outstation and the Tuckerbox. box and the shed from the school um, and that the hire agreement is actually the legal component of that so we will set out some special conditions in there hopefully um, once we have that conversation with, with our principal, with Amanda. Um, unfortunately that document can only be a 12-month document so that will, you know, that is that is something that we are aware of I guess um, but our principal is committed to making sure that we've Finalize that document in term four every year, so that's ready to roll for the for the following year. If that makes sense, like a, so it's a rolling document sort of thing. Um, what needs to happen now? So, the uh, friends went by the other day, and the the outstations dotted. The buildings all happening. The renovations are all happening, and then we'll just continue to. Well, once that hire agreement's finalized. Um, the plan is that we'll have all of that sorted by the end of the year so the first only thing we have to do is move in um, in term one um, the department are putting in bunk beds in the outstation as opposed to swags they still never got past the difference between camping and accommodation so the word accommodation is still in the ber rub upstairs Um <laughs> The camping thing was a real. There was a bit of a language barrier there, but that's okay. We uh, agreed to disagree and move on on that one. I think. What does this do, <laughs>
1: because, though? What does this do for, in all seriousness, um, for the kids?
3: Uh, this is yeah. This is life changing. I just. I think I've spoke to you about this before. When I started um, with Distance Ed, which is many moons ago now, that outstation it, it gave you a safe space that, um, if you were struggling, you sort of. You couldn't hide or even if you weren't staying there, if you weren't confident, if you were a new mum and this was your first year at distance ed or if you were a new family and this was your first year at distance ed, regardless of the age of your child, there was always someone sitting up there having a cup of tea that you could go and have a yarn to. And that's sort of really been missing and I've really felt the struggle of families who are new to the school who haven't had access to that. And on the flip side of that, I think the teachers probably might get a little bit more out of the kids because they'll all be staying together and playing together. So it's not just get to school and want to play and play and play because we haven't seen each other. They'll have that time together in the outstation um, where they can do that and then they can actually get some quality learning time um, done in the classroom as well. I mean, they still do, but, you know, there's that little little bit of difference in... um, in that being close to each other, not worrying about where all their friends are, what motel they're staying in, um, if they're going to see them, who's doing what. So, And it's just going to be, it'll just be repairing our community, you know, our, bringing our community back together again. It's been um, heartbreaking to see yep. the difference that not having that central space to go to has made to um, to our little school community and I'm very excited well, um, the to bi- see that come back together again.
1: The good news is it is back, and it is going to take some time. But next year, it is all back to normal, and this is off the back of a letter, the memorandum of understanding that has come for the Capricornia School of Distance Education Outstation Box and Shed. The delays have been unbelievable. It's been a three-year journey, but it is sorted out, getting repaired, and it will be back operational next year. Shante, thanks so, so much for being amazing. with us. Yeah, unbelievable. Can I say
3: a couple of quick thank yous, please, Dobbo, sure. Sorry for, for taking up a little bit more time. Um, I just really quickly wanted to send a shout out to Peter, Stephen and Bo. They're the members within who've been liaising with us, sort of contracted and part of the department. They've yep. been absolutely amazing at making this happen. And a massive thank you to all the families who pitched in, dug in, wouldn't take no for an answer and
1: Stuck who made this,
3: ha- made this happen. So well thank said. you to everybody else who had little, and, a, you know, look, there's so many people. It's so easy to miss them, but everyone knows who they are that helped us in any small or large way. It made such a big difference, and we're so, so very grateful, and the kids are beyond excited. I bet so they are. thank you yeah. so much.
1: Shantae, great to chat. Congratulations. We'll talk again a bit closer in the new year once it's up and operational. Thanks so much and more than happy to help you guys. Uh, It's been a really good journey and one with a successful outcome. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks so
3: much, Ben, and thanks very much to everyone for your support. Cheers.
1: We'll take a break, come back with more great news. This is Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Ray White Gainey Kirkwood Principal Liam Kirkwood joins us this morning and the numbers of store cattle that have gone through Charters Tower sale yards has increased by 92% in three years. The northern cattle industry has had a unbelievable time, and it has been a phenomenal season throughout 2022, and that is reflected in the sale yard numbers. Liam, good morning, and thanks so much for being with us.
0: Good morning, Ben. Thanks for your time. Great to be with you.
1: Sale cattle are always um, a, a thing that, you know, obviously you try to grow a sale and this has obviously been a commitment to your, by yourself and other agents and, and a great result um, as data released in the Charters Towers Regional Council have talked about the just increase in cattle and it's just been super, super impressive. Um, profits have increased by 95%, numbers are up, and it's just been a phenomenal story.
0: Most definitely, Ben, you know, and, and as you uh, touched on there before, I think it's all on the back of um, the return of the season. We're enjoying a great season up here and, and uh, our New South Wales counterparts have enjoyed a great season over the last 18 months as well. And I think that uh, a lot of our northern cattle, like, you know, we're in a, a calf factory area, so a big breeder area, a lot of our cattle are, are cattle, saw type cattle, and they were suitable to go back into New South Wales and, and southern Queensland to the restockers. So I think that's why we've seen a return of, of good lines of saw cattle come into our sales and, uh, of course, the competition at our sales has been really good and that's why they've continued to come
1: back. Can I talk to you, just when you when you go along this and you have a look at the region, I mean, you are in a, an unbelievable area. The Charters Towers area in all northern Australia has been prominent. Have, have you ever seen it where it's all lined up like this before, like it is? I mean, you've got the season with you, you've got the market with you. There has obviously been a a huge emphasis on trying to to grow the herd again, but in the process with people having to sell, the cash flow has been quite phenomenal. There's never been a better time.
0: Never been a better time, Ben, you know, and traditionally, like the things that um, would really um, dictate when people sold cattle in our market was either, you know, when they needed money to make payments or. When feed was getting short. Well, you know, in the last 12 months, we really haven't been that pressed for either of those. You know, people have enjoyed great prices. You know, you can go and sell uh, six decks of bullocks and get the same price that you used to for 12 decks. So I think people have been able to sit on cattle and they've had the feed to do that. And that's why we've seen some really terrific lines of cattle coming through the market. I think it all hit us by surprise, these big numbers, because. We've all been seeing figures about how the the herd has been decimated over the last few years and we're still in a rebuilding stage. But I think uh, producers in North Queensland, we were very lucky that the season went with us. We had enough rain to be able to hold on to a lot of our breeders and uh, put cattle on adjustment and I think it's starting to shine through now that we're well and truly into the herd rebuilding process. And. A lot of these weaners are heading into the the southern markets, a lot of uh, western New South Wales fellows that have got good herbage country and that sort of thing. Um, You know, I think they've really come up to the north and been impressed by how much the Brahma cattle have changed over the years since they had to come up and uh, and buy them
1: before. The big thing about it is that there's obviously opportunity and that's, that's the thing that everybody looks at. I mean, the demand for store cattle in your neck of the woods has never been so high, hence why you've been putting on special store sales.
0: That's right, Ben. You know, like we've been having two sales a week sort of over the last five weeks. Well, um, normally it's only when people are mustering during first and second round that we might have two sales a week and and they might go for a six week period. But um, they've been, you know, continual. I remember when I came to Charters Towers here seven years ago, uh, we used to have one sale a week on a Wednesday. And if you yarded 2000 head at that sale, well, it was a very big day. Whereas you know, we've been yarding in excess of 6,000 head each week between our two sales, and it's just been great, you know, between our, our prime sale, our store sale, um, live exports, private cattle that are coming in and going to feedlots, et cetera. You know, I think the yards in the last month has put through over in excess of 40,000 head of cattle, so it's really great for the area. It's great for the producers in the area, and uh, it, it's just it's really good to see that, um, that the people of the north have really – Put uh, time and money and effort into breeding better cattle, and they're really being rewarded for it
1: now. Yeah, and that's the big thing, isn't it? The, the, the rewards are coming thick and fast. Where where is everybody going from a breed herd? Is the Brahmin breed still the prominent breed there? Or people? Um, I mean, we've obviously got um, the Drought Masters have had an unbelievable. Sanders have been unbelievable. The kind of breed that is is surviving and, and obviously going ahead, prospering in your neck of the woods in Northern Australia at the moment.
0: But, well, our area is always going to be a, a very big sort of uh, Brahmin based herd just because, you know, the Brahmin cattle, they really um, stand yeah, up to yeah. our conditions the best. Yeah. So it's a very Brahmin based herd. But I think this year, um, due to the influence from the south, a lot of people have gone and bought, you know, Brangus bulls, Charolais bulls, Chabray bulls. Sim and tell bulls. So it's going to be, you know, a Brahman cross sort of a try and breed that bit more of a flatback article but still has a high boss indicus content to be able to handle the ticks and the heat and, and that sort of thing. So it's really good to see that people have adjusted to what the markets told them. But of course, these high prices have allowed them to go and reinvest into their herd and make decisions that are going to be beneficial to them when the market perhaps turns around or plateaus out and people will be paid a premium for breeding those better cattle.
1: Yeah, and the demand is, it, mate, country in your neck of the woods. How is it? Country's
0: terrific, Ben, you know, like um, we're based here in Charters Towers that cover an area out to Kwong and back up north into the Cape and – you know, a lot of our supply area this year, we've just kept getting good grass growing. Um, you know, there's fat cattle coming out of this area now that you typically wouldn't be getting at this time of year. Uh, the Hughenden area back down to Winton is just terrific. There's a little bit of a dry patch there. It cuts out the other side of Richmond into Julia Creek, but, um, you know, there's some good rain forecast for those fellas out around Mount Isaac, Long Curry and, and back in through the west this week. So hopefully, um, it's all lining up to be a terrific start for us. Sometimes that can be an area where, um, you know, we're sort of caught short a little bit bit. If we don't get that start going into our wet season, we're we're coming from a fair way behind, whereas this year we're getting a good start. So hopefully it'll just roll on into the new year.
1: The country value, like obviously we've seen land prices. They're not making any more of it. We've seen some records prices and we've spoken to a lot of people in there. There is still a high demand. Are you seeing record land prices still in your neck of the woods throughout Charters Towers and, and the likes?
0: Oh, we are Ben. You know, like property. It's um, it, it, as you say, it's not coming up every day. But there has been some really good properties come up throughout the year, and they've been hotly contested um, by a number of different parties, both from out of the area and graziers inside the area that are wanting to increase their holdings. And you know, you're seeing in some cases land values are, are doubling price per acre. Um, it's just terrific but I guess that's all on the back of the good season and as you say uh, you know it's a time where it's a time of opportunity um, if people don't get out and make the most of this opportunity well we never know when we may have another one where everything lines up the way it is you know we've, we've had good commodity prices we've had good seasons behind us now I know we came out of a lot of tough years as well but um, you know we've had a pretty good run up here for the last 18 months and any of the smart operators which there are a lot of them up here um, they'll just be sitting back and they've made some very good decisions over the last 18 months that will hold them in good stead going forward in the future.
1: Unreal. Hey, appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being with us. From uh, Gainey Kirkwood, uh, Ray White Rural, um, Principal Liam Kirkwood and Charters Towers is booming and those numbers through the Sayards are just increasing like you've, by 92%, 92% increase in just three years. Wowee. Yeah, I understand that 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 just shows what's going on in Northern Australia. Appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for being with us. Thanks very much, Ben. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back with more great news story. This is Rural Queensland Today. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland Today on Tuesday morning, the 18th of October. Very good morning to everybody listening to us and have a great day. Ray Hudley to join you next. And remember, when the wheat is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We'll be back tomorrow morning from 9 o'clock. Until next time, it's bye for now.